0: so good morning everybody and welcome to parenting podcast live in this 12-week session we are inviting guests into our class to help us discuss the question how do i talk to my kids about blank and then we're filling in the blank with topics that were selected by class members through a survey Um, and as parents and people who work with kids It's so important that we learn to navigate these critical conversations and know how to talk about it with each other and then translate that to our kids. So this isn't meant to cover everything, um, but it is meant to get the conversation started and give us some talking points to work through. And so we want to welcome Dan and Reba Bonner here this morning. Thank you all for joining us. Just a few things. They will have been married 62 years in December. So we might have to have y'all back for a, a discussion about marriage as well. Um, and Dan has been volunteering with Lifeline Chaplaincy for 11 years. He actually now has the title of Spiritual Care Volunteer. He visits hospitals in the area um, and meets with people who are very ill, who are dying, and has had wonderful ministry opportunities through that. Um, and he also instruct has instructed programs for lifeline chaplaincy in the past in different workshops And they have three children their oldest is a son and then tw- twin boy and girl that 26 months later So they are very familiar with where a lot of us are with young children running around um, So yes, thank you so much for being here anything else y'all wanted to add to as an introduction
1: I have not had a lot of formal training. Uh, I, when I retired, went back to school and uh, got a, uh, a associate nursing degree. Became an R.N. and uh, worked in uh, the hospital. Seton Northwest was where I retired from in about 2004. Uh, that provided some training. Since then, uh, we have been very active in Sojourners, a program you may not know about and we can talk about later. But uh, that has uh, facilitated uh, my interest in uh, care for people and hospice and also for, for grieving. And uh, did a workshop for them uh, all over the United States including Kingsburg which is in California Uh, it was called preparing ourselves helping others Uh, also during that time I volunteered at hospice here in Austin for five years and my contact with hospice patients was primarily through their families Uh, I would call family members uh, and talked to them about the care that we were giving, uh, the the care that they thought their loved one needed, and tried to help them uh, adjust to the fact that their loved one uh, was mortal and would be facing death and some of the experiences they might have. And through hospice, I also helped with uh, grief support groups Uh, Those were conducted over at the Westover Church building, Uh, and then I did some 11th hour sitting, and 11th hour sitting is sitting with patients as we realized that um, death was uh, imminent, and it could give them a chance for a little respite and uh, uh, prepare themselves for their, their loved one's death. One of the best experiences I had was caring for uh, a couple uh, with an eight-year-old child. Uh, The man had an aneurysm. It had been diagnosed when he was in his upper teens. He was now in his 40s and uh, it had come back to to really haunt him in in some ways. And I, I sat with him for I don't know how many months, almost a year I guess, uh, so that his wife could work. Um, She had to be the sole uh, uh, money earner for the family, and uh, was with uh, the family when he died. And uh, out of that comes a story that may be told later in the morning, I I don't know. Uh, if If it becomes appropriate, I will tell it. But all, all those things, it's more experiential than it is academic, and I, I, I think we can share some really good things with you. Uh, Lifeline Chaplaincy does two things related to, uh, to uh, the loss of loved ones. Uh, we in, usually, in October, it hasn't been scheduled, so maybe it'll be in November, offer a workshop or a seminar called the empty chair. And the empty chair, of course, is the chair for the person, our loved one, who will not be at the Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. And then the first Sunday in uh, December, we've done that here uh, for about four or five years now. We have a service of remembrance. And it's primarily for loved ones to, come and uh, have a worship experience that uh, we think helps them prepare for the Christmas holidays.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to have so much experience here to be shared with us. So if we could maybe jump into just in how we talk to our kids about death and grief, what would you say is a good definition of death for our children? I feel like all of our children have probably heard that word, especially (laughs) being in Bible class. I think that word comes up a lot. and so. You know, when they say, what does that mean? What is a good way of explaining that to them?
1: My physiology class uh, in the late 1950s uh, was uh, taught by a man of faith, and he said there is no good definition of death. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably correct. And I would encourage you not to try and think definitively in definition terms, but maybe conceptually. And I would suggest that uh, you think in terms of the body no longer working. Uh, You can see that in plants, you can see it in animals, and of course you can see it uh, uh, with us. And uh, when the body stops working, it's not going to, to work again, and children begin to realize that as, as we kind of coach and uh, and help them. Death is as normal as birth. Uh, we need to understand that, and sometimes we don't realize that, don't, don't think about that. But the bookends of our lives are birth and death. Uh, they're normal. Uh, We need to see them as normal and make them a part of our everyday life. And the more we talk about death in the presence of our children, or grandchildren in our case, uh, using the words death and dying, uh, the more familiar they get with the terms, the easier they're going to uh, accept and, and understand what's happened or what is happening to a loved one.
0: As opposed to a term like passed away or sleeping or something like that. Okay. And so if someone in our family, a a friend, a grandparent has passed away, what, can you give some examples of maybe some different age appropriate ways to tell our kids, maybe something for a younger child, zero to five, and then um, an example of something for a little bit older? Just give us the
2: script. (laughs) (laughs)
1: We have a handout for you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that handout breaks things down age-wise. There are two very similar uh, articles in this handout that break things down. And uh, I'm not going to try to do that. Uh, I don't think you would probably remember it very long, uh, especially if you have multiple children in multiple age groups. (laughs) so what i want to do is uh, consider the the maturation level of your children when you start to talk with them Uh, a six-year-old may be better prepared for one explanation uh, than an eight-year-old for instance Mm -hmm. and you're the best judge on the maturation level of your children and what they're willing to uh, Uh, deal with at the time Uh, so uh, if you can let the children lead by asking Uh, make the situation to the best of your ability one where they feel free to ask questions and answer those questions uh, only to the extent that the child is ready for them and the child uh, uh, will uh, be able to assimilate what you've told them. And don't answer more than the child is ready for. You can do that. Uh, One of the good things to do uh, is to give your children uh, extended opportunities to discuss what they're feeling and uh, that may be uh, a long walk with mom and the child or dad and the child and uh, it's it's not having uh, meeting your need but it's providing them the opportunity to express their questions and to give you an opportunity to to answer them. Uh, One of the things you're going to see in the handout is that I say that parents need to prepare themselves before they ever think about preparing their children um, and uh, if, if we're not prepared then we really can't uh, coach guide provide the information that the children need uh,
0: Well, and if I can, I have a follow-up question on that. So how open can we be about showing our grief in front of our children? Will that scare them, upset them? Is that something that we need to save for more private moments or does that help them to see us processing it
1: Reagan isn't that a question we ask later it on? it is
0: yes I jumped that, ahead that. sorry <laughs> 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 I apologize it felt relevant <laughs> yeah.
1: okay uh, at what age do you seven. feel comfortable
0: <laughs> at number seven is how how open can we be in
1: okay yeah. okay um, Well, children are not small adults. Uh, Remember that, I know you know that. And they may have some of the feelings and the emotions that that you have as an adult, but they're going to express them completely differently. Uh, Children uh, grieve, express their grief, their their pain in spurts. Uh, You may see a child get uh, very quiet, very sober, get off in the corner for a few minutes, and then five minutes later, they're out playing ball, kicking the can, doing whatever a child does, and that's their processing of their grief. And uh, we need to uh, to recognize that, and uh, even facilitate it if you can, uh, we are uh, heart, soul, body, and, and mind, spiritual, mental, uh, emotional, physical people. And there's a great deal of synergism going on in us at all the time. And children like to be active. Uh, they, they rarely sit for very long. Well, I don't know about the new generation. I've, I've, I've seen them sit with a <laughs> some type of uh, digital device for, for hours. But we're made to move, and, and that's one of the ways they really process uh, uh, their feelings. And so while they may be seeming to exercise for a parent, uh, they, they may be dealing with their, their grief or with their emotions. Um, know whether that's all the answer for that or not yeah. uh, i think a yeah. relatively good answer yes
0: absolutely thank you well and so um what do we i guess i don't want to jump around too much <laughs> okay. but what might be some warning signs that our children are not coping well or not dealing with their grief and then we can maybe open it to the class if there's any questions but okay.
1: Well, the key to that is remembering that they process their grief in small bursts. If those small bursts of activity, whatever they are, become extensive, Mm. like if the child goes into the room and stays for a prolonged period of time and that's not normal for them, that may be an indication. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Not necessarily an invitation, but maybe an invitation uh, they're having difficulty processing their grief <coughs>
0: mm-hmm. does that help yes definitely. Okay. Um, and we have a lot more questions but I wanted to see if the, so. we have from our text screen we see that about half and half four respondents have said yes their family has dealt with the death of a close friend or family member and four that say no they've not dealt with that yet but as you said it's a an inevitable part of life and so we know we will at some point our families will be going through this so any questions or experiences that someone from the class would like to share about talking with their kids about this and dealing with it
3: so I have- little kids three, but I also have a 16 year old and I, my grandmother raised me so she, obviously she was up in age um, when she was around my uh, my oldest and she was very close to her and when my grandmother got sick it was kind of sudden even though she was up in age she hadn't really had any health problems and she was in another city so we would go back and forth travel to see her we thought she was getting better and then like I don't know, when she got really bad and I left it was a night and I left my daughter mm-hmm. and she passed and um, she's, I mean, it's been eight years now, but she still talks about, like, you didn't take me I didn't mm-hmm. say goodbye um, and, you know, at the time, I, I thought I was doing the right thing um, right. so I kind of put that out there yeah. you know <laughs> is there a better way to handle it you know, or thoughts about how
1: to handle those kinds of situations. And like saying goodbye. I them I don't think we need to pile guilt on ourselves when we have to act quickly and may not act as appropriately as we could have or should have. Uh, I'm assuming that you did the very best that you knew at the time and I'd like for you to take comfort in that.
0: And so, it's in- what about including our children in saying goodbye to someone who is um, you know on the verge of death and is that a good thing to be doing and allowing them that opportunity
1: I talked about preparing yourselves and then preparing your children Mm -hmm. Uh, that shouldn't start at the time that you have the difficulty to deal with Mm -hmm. Uh, that needs to start i would say immediately and there are lots of of good resources and we have many of them listed in the handout for today that you can use to do that both for yourself and for your child and i've already mentioned uh you know getting them familiar with the words death Mm -hmm. and and died um if that has happened When a loved one, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, uh, becomes ill, they're familiar with the vocabulary. And so as that disease process uh, progresses, uh, they understand what is beginning to happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you probably have to do a whole lot except provide comfort as they Mm-hmm. Uh, indicate a need for it,
0: right? Brandon?
1: Um, you mentioned like things about like plants and how they have a cycle of life and they die and then mm-hmm. you know in a new season. But if, so, would you recommend like when you're going for a walk and you see a dead plant, like mentioning that and talking like, are there things like that where you just normalize it and, in conversation or and and what other things? Ab- absolutely absolutely Um, one of the things i would encourage you to do uh, get on the internet uh, this afternoon or sometime this week and uh, just google uh, drawing a blank now the fall of freddie the leaf (coughs) that's a child's book but it's really great for adults also. And uh, you will find, uh, I think, at least three uh, readings of that book. It's, it can be read in about 10 minutes. And uh, I think that will help you immensely in uh, knowing how to take advantage of uh, the, the fall of leaves. In the fall, um, the plants that died, the the fish that died overnight in your aquarium, mm-hmm. or or whatever, take advantage of all of those, and and you don't have to make it come across as a teaching lesson. You know, it, <laughs> casual conversation right. about what's happened.
0: Uh, and Mr. Bonner has provided us with a list of scriptures. I had asked him, you know, what are some good scriptures that we can use to um, help comfort our children when we're they're experiencing loss and we're experiencing loss. And so I want to put that up in case anyone wants to write those yeah. down.
1: Yeah, um, about yes. those. Those are probably not for the children so much as they are for the parents. For us.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what we're finding so much with all of these conversations, is it's so much about preparing ourselves and how do we think about these things, talk about them. Um, and then another thing I just that has come up a lot is making the space in our homes and our families for questions, making mm-hmm. sure it's a safe space for that. There's no questions that are off limits for us, between us and our children. And um, so it's interesting that that also keeps coming up in all of these conversations. But one question I have is, what do we say to our children? These verses are often very comforting when a loved one um, has died in Christ. But what do we say to them about those who seem to have died in unbelief?
1: One word answer, nothing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're not judges of the deceased. And uh, don't we all give our children some slack? You know, something that we might set them in the corner for, that we say, no, nah, not today. You know, I understand your situation. God's a loving God. I don't know what He's going to do.
0: So it just, yeah. they say, is so-and-so in heaven? Or, and we do have a, hopefully have a conversation about heaven and hell coming up as well, so maybe some of that will be talked about, but... Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, just say I don't know. Is it? <laughs> My well,
2: we, youth yeah. minister, he
4: would say in this sort of situation that that person is in God's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, which they are. Right? Yeah. Whether
0: it's, it's for good or ill. Right. Uh, but, it, you know, he is that's a good answer. with God. Not with... Well, and that's another thing I feel like keeps coming up is that we can be feel comfortable telling our children sometimes, I don't know, and mm-hmm. that. Sometimes we don't have to give them all of the answers if we don't have them ourselves. Amanda?
4: I was thinking about your question about sharing your grief with your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done that with mine. They have seen me grieve from the time they were tiny. Mm-hmm. I think the first, my, one of my grandparents died when Paul was one. so they've seen this many times. Um, and sharing your grief with them, I think, gets them comfortable with the idea that the world is not good that bad things happen and also it gives them a chance to learn how to help comfort. Mm. Little kids can provide comfort in a way that's absolutely unbelievable. Um, And it's just a part of getting them used to how it all works. Mm -hmm. Um, I think exposing them to that is a good thing. Yeah, It can, you know, perhaps it's too much. It could be bad. But letting them learn how to comfort and see grief, it's, it's a good thing. And I was just looking, um, I looked up an obituary for Keith's grandmother. She died three years ago. And my kids were in the room with her when she died. Oh, wow. They were 15, 13, and 11. And I was a little nervous how they would react to that. And they handled it so amazingly. Mm-hmm. They were so strong and they were so brave. Um, and it's not something you can hide from them. Right. They need to know about death and how to handle them. Mm-hmm.
1: Um wow. I have
3: a question.
1: It's a good story. It is. Thank mm-hmm. you. What
4: age do you
0: think is age appropriate to let a child view an open casket? <laughs> that was on here. <laughs> or it may have been on a, a previous iteration. I might have taken that one out. Oh no, it is number eleven.
1: <laughs> no, no. I'm going to read this. I, I rather than uh, paraphrase it to you. Uh, uh, The the propriety of honoring a family's needs and desires takes precedence at both the visitation and the memorial service. Uh, Determine the acceptability should not be directly to the family by someone wanting to bring a child as they might feel compelled to say yes even though they would prefer to not have children present the decision is best sought through the funeral director uh, talking with the family spokesperson. Mm -hmm. I I feel obligated to say that. I'm quite sensitive about uh, things I've experienced at funerals where children were uh, crying and screaming and out of control. It's okay to take a child and If you desire to do that, I would suggest the following. It's very, very good to prepare the child by telling them what they will see and may experience. Then take them to see the body in the casket before the visitation or the funeral service. And let the child answer questions and uh, respond to them and then the child should be given the opportunity to either go or not go. Uh, And even with preparation uh, and the child's decision to go, a second adult should be there and be responsible for immediately leaving the child, leaving with the child should the child make noise or disturb in some other way. Uh, Both visitations, although they can get rather loud, and memorial services or funeral services are are very important for um, uh, the the family the, the loved ones and uh, I, I think it's a time when uh, when their needs need to be met maybe more so than ours or we think our children's are um,
0: that, that's a helpful perspective.
4: But I think the child should be given the choice to see, uh, you know, a dead
0: body in the, in the open casket. Like I think his comment on knowing your child and knowing their maturation level and, and giving them the option to opt out. You
4: know, to explain to them like said, yeah. this is what you're going to see, and explain like this person's not there anymore, but their body is there, and giving them the choice. Because I've been to a funeral where. They just took the kids up there themselves, and it could be quite traumatizing to a child.
1: Mm-hmm. So I would, I
4: mean, that would be my yeah. especially if they're old enough to have that conversation. And if they're not, I don't see any purpose in showing a young child
3: something that they don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: yeah. Well, and I also think it's important that as the parent, that you share with your child why you t- want to go up there, mm-hmm. or why you, why you don't go up there. Right. That way they might understand a little bit more
0: of, maybe what the impact of that. Yeah. Well, and that's something, again, something that I feel like keeps coming up is talking with our kids about our own thought process instead of just internalizing that, like talking it out with them as, I'm feeling this way, I don't, I'm gonna do this because I feel this way, but maybe, you know, and just kind of letting them see so that they can then begin that critical thinking and that thought process themselves. Um, so one question that I have that is very difficult and I know we won't have an all-inclusive answer is um, number nine in the questions I sent y'all. We pray specifically for healing for so many of our loved ones and our family members. And God does not heal everyone that we, we pray for and that we ask that for. So how do we explain that to our children um, as parents? we include them in our prayers for these people and then as we let them know that you know they have died?
1: I guarantee you that is a very difficult question to deal with. I think in our preparing ourselves to, um, to teach our children, we need to take time to go through the Bible and look at all of those instances where verses have been taken and used with children or with loved ones and ex- examine the context in which those verses occur. Um, the, the Bible, if it's a story of one thing, it's a story of pain and suffering and death. I mean, it starts uh, in Genesis and it goes throughout the Bible and do we really realize that? And how do those verses that we take out often out of context really fit in to what the story of the Bible is? Um, Christ healed, the apostles healed. Um, I'm inclined to believe that uh, we see those healings not because uh, God or Jesus uh, selected uh, those people to heal them because they were those people. Uh, At the same time those people were dying, there were hundreds of others dying that would not be healed, so was, was their purpose in healing them to be solely to heal them, or was it to teach us a story? And I think those stories are to use something we understand and something we know and something we feel and apply it to our spiritual life, where they're We know there can be and there is healing. Um, uh, Today we see incidents that are called miracles. Sometimes called miracles by doctors who are atheists or or agnostics. Uh, They don't understand, you know. Uh, Are they really miracles? Some may be. Uh, God is alive. There's no doubt that He can and may still uh, heal physically, but we don't know those instances. Um, God is a just God, and is is God being just if He answers your prayer for healing and He doesn't answer mine? This is something I think theologians don't understand. (laughs) But our Father God is spirit, and I think he is concerned about us as spiritual people.
0: And I see here, I'm peeking over your shoulder at these notes you have. Is this, uh, do you wanna talk a little bit about this that you have here?
2: Uh, I was just thinking that the question may really be, how can we explain this to our children without them losing their faith in prayer? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe we need to think more about what we're praying for instead of what we want and I just remember that last week in Charlie's if you read the bulletin that he sends out on Wednesday he gives some really good points about how to pray for someone who is ill. Uh, Sometimes I think we're too specific in telling God how to act And what we want and so maybe it would be helpful to let our children know that we are not in control we don't even really know what is best and do you mind reading some of those uh, well the first one Charlie had was pray for wholeness and healing and wholeness and healing may not be the same thing but it could be and pray for their caretakers, pray for the doctors, pray for a greater sense of God's presence with him, with them, pray for spiritual warfare taking place in their heart. Some of these are very adult kinds of things, but can be also used to show that we need to line our wants up with God mm-hmm. and not God's wants up with us or God's plans or whatever is going to be the spirit right. is going. So there's uh several of these take away the thought of praying for someone to be healed we have no idea what's going to happen but there are areas where we can have some prayer for comfort for understanding mm-hmm. for uh care mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um
0: i do just want to ask one more question and then we'll go ahead and pass out your hand the handout and i know you have some comments about that um, and this is a little bit less to do with our children and more just to do with where many of us are in our stage of life right now. A lot of us are have friends who are going through miscarriage or stillbirth, and I feel like some of us are very close to people, and um, so hopefully this isn't too selfish of a question, hopefully it applies to other people, but what are some things that we should or shouldn't be saying to our friends who are dealing with that, going through that, um, because it is, if it's not something you've been through yourself, it's so difficult to know the right thing to say that will comfort and encourage. Yeah.
1: Very, very good question. Uh, let me add uh, two groups uh, uh, to to those who uh, are facing grieving circumstances: uh, the uh, the parents who uh, give birth to a child with congenital difficulties. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes we don't recognize the grief they experience. And then the other is those couples that are unable to procreate for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are silent grievers also. And uh, when we know about them, then we want to be helpful to them. What do you say Uh, I love you. I'm deeply saddened. I know this is very painful. What would you have me pray? Those are things that I think people find comforting and helpful. Don't say, I understand. Uh, You don't. (laughs) Uh, You can always adopt. That's true, but that's not very comforting to the couple that can't uh, procreate. Uh, or I know somebody who, and then they tell a story about this couple that did something and they were able, or they did. Have you been to see doctor? <laughs> you know, we think we're being helpful. We're not. Uh, we're not helping them with their grief at all. or or worse than any of them, you're young, you can always have another child. Well, I lost a child. I wanna grieve, I wanna grieve about that first, you know. Uh, You had added to that is how do you explain miscarriage of a sibling uh, to an older child? Uh, Very, very difficult to to answer that. Once again, I think it comes back to preparation. This is a case uh, where you've got to recognize your own grief uh, and deal with it a little bit before uh, you uh, comfort your child. Um, For May, let me tell one story. I had an office that was a corner office one time, first floor. I could look out to the east through a window and I could look out to the south through a window. The only problem was uh, those were both parking lot areas. <laughs> and I could not help but to notice people sometimes. And for several weeks I saw a young man Uh, He appeared to be uh, maybe a a teenager nearing 20 out walking among those uh, cars. And after a while, I just had to find out a little bit about this kid. He always had on the same shirt, or it looked like he had on the same shirt. It was a blue shirt. And so I went out, and uh, as I approached him, I realized that he was... uh, Uh, probably a a Down syndrome boy or young man and as I got even closer to him to to meet him I saw what was written on that t-shirt it says God don't make no jumps that kind of puzzled me Uh, did he choose that t-shirt did his mother choose it Uh, what was the message that was to be communicated Miscarriages, children with congenital difficulties are really a product, I thoroughly believe, of man's sin over the years. Um, The gene pool has been changing ever since uh, man was created, apparently. And I think nearly all of those are congenital in some way. Um, It may be the mother's uh, physiological environment, her womb, that says, I can't carry through. It it may be strictly from the gene pool, where uh, lurking maybe from years and years, A tendency toward uh, Down syndrome or some other difficulty that a child has. Um, We don't know, but that's how I see it. But when we talk with our children about those circumstances, this is a place for truth, you know. And uh, that doesn't mean sharing all the facts as you know them or think you know them is just explaining to them as best you can that, uh, that this if it were I uh, is a product of the sin of man generations before uh,
0: thank you Jay would you mind um grabbing the handouts down there and help him pass those out Thank you so much. It's a, All of these are very difficult for us to know how to navigate, and, and we always know, like you said, we want to be helpful and do it in love, and so we just appreciate the advice and experience to help us in in that conversation. And so you mentioned you have a few things to say about the, you know, these handouts.
1: Well, all the handouts. I think there's enough here for every couple to have one. Um, you're going to see some repetition in that uh, handout. Uh, because I took whole articles a couple of times and they both said some of the same things Uh, where you see a same thing don't don't just think oh I've already read that I don't need to process that Uh, that (coughs) indicates that's considered very important Uh, uh, there's a deficit in that handout uh, in that it does not talk about physical activity I did talk about synergism a little earlier. Uh, virtually nothing like vigorous physical activity uh, is helpful for children. and that's not stated there. Uh, we need to be in con- in uh, discussion about funerals and memorial services, and uh, there's not uh, a great deal in there about that, but we've tried to cover that and uh one of my favorites is i don't know (laughs) Uh, that's oftentimes the best answer Uh, and the the uh, last two things in that i'm I'm presuming that uh, they're in the order I, i hope they are one is uh uh Warden's Five Tasks of Mourning. That's that's a study of adults. But we have every reason to believe that children in some way go through those processes too, or those Mm -hmm. tasks too. May not be as recognizable with children as they are with us, but I thought it'd be helpful to know what those tasks are. And then the last thing is about cremation. Uh, Cremation has become very 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 popular and um, uh, I think the percent of people uh, choosing cremation is up over 50% now and it for a long time it was almost non-existent and uh, I just see that if a child doesn't have a good explanation of that uh, it it can be very difficult to, to process so I uh, put an article in on, on cremation at the very end. Thank you for inviting thank us. Uh, I want to commend y'all for doing what you're doing. I think it's good.
0: Well, thank you so much. Would you mind closing us in a quick prayer before we go grab our children?
1: Our Father, Your son died for us, and we thank you. We know that each of us will die. And we pray, Father, that at our death, our families will feel good about the life that we lived and shared with them. We pray that you will help us to learn about uh, death and about how to uh, address it in our lives so that we can help our children with that. And we thank you that you have offered us a place in your house in the future. And we pray that we will live lives worthy of it. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen.